The following episode of Searching for Ghosts contains graphic content. Listener discretion is advised. Previously on Searching for Ghosts. There is a game called Chinese Whispers. In the United States, it's known as the telephone game. In this game, one person whispers a message in the ear of the next person in line. The second person does the same thing to the person next to them, and so on. The last player announces the message to the entire group. The objective is for the first person and the last person to have the same message. But errors happen in the retelling, and depending on how many people are playing the game, many times the last message in no way resembles the original one. I don't know, and I always thought that uh, after all the investigation that somewhere down the line there was uh, drugs involved. Not with Casey, but with the other part. This may have been a revenge thing. could travel halfway around the world before the truth can put its boots on. The South is known for its storytelling. It's what we do here. I'm not sure if it's boredom, the heat, or some combination of the two. We like our stories here. And we like to put our own spin on the stories we were told. You know, to make them ours and all. The Casey story isn't a work of fiction. This is real life. She was a real 14-year-old girl with real hopes and real dreams. And those hopes and dreams were cut short by a real, bad person. And this is when our tendency to tell a yarn becomes a liability. While there is little hard evidence known about this case, the rumor mill has put in double duty to make up for it. And it could very well be that one leads to the other. When people who should be talking don't, and the ones who shouldn't do, that's when the fog of misinformation moves in and decides to hang around like a bad habit. When people first started contacting me about this case, I was so eager. I had tried for months to get anyone to tell me anything, and for months, it was crickets. So when information started trickling in, I jumped on it with both feet. Then the trickle became a flood, and that's when I began to get overwhelmed. I heard story after story, some with the same names, some with different names, different locations, different witnesses. As I've stated before, I'm not an investigator by trade, but I've been on this earth long enough to know what to look for when it comes to the truth. And when a story has a ton of detail, it gives me pause. One common denominator in the multitude of stories told to me is Mr. X. He is the one that everyone knows did it, according to so many people who have contacted me. I've worked really hard with every episode to cut the fat and boil this down to the facts that are known. I don't like airing speculation and hearsay unless I can back it up. But this episode is going to take a different turn. There is just not a lot known about Mr. X as it pertains to Casey. Most of what is known is hearsay. And I think it's time for the audience to get a glimpse of what we are dealing with here as far as trying to cut through the fog of rumors. There are more stories told about Mr. X in this case than publicly known documented facts. In my opinion, allowing these stories to have a life of their own has been the biggest stumbling block in this investigation. I'm Brandon Barnett. And this is Searching for Ghosts.
Mr. X is currently serving time in prison. Here is what we know. In 2000, he was convicted on three drug counts. In 2002, he was convicted on unknown charges in a sealed case. In 2003, he was convicted of three counts of second-degree attempted murder. In 2009, he was convicted of rape. In 2011, he was convicted on a drug distribution charge that included a plea deal in which an aggravated rape charge and a coercion of a witness charge were both dropped. Here's a message that I received early on in this investigation from a peer of Casey's. Casey was in a sexual relationship with this much older drug dealer, really got into partying, and ran with a rough crowd. It was rumored for a long time she got pregnant and he killed her, but was eventually cleared. Not long after, I got this message from another classmate. The story was that she was taken for money owed. They tried messing with her, multiple people. She fought and bit him. He hit her and she started bleeding from her head and wouldn't wake up. He went outside and got a brick, killed her, rolled her up in the rug she was lying on. They put her in a 55-gallon drum and put it in water. Last week, my friend in Nashville was talking to her pharmacist about the podcast, and the pharmacist mentioned Mr. X by name and how she had heard that he had used a wood chipper to hide the evidence. And in a discussion thread on topics, there are statements like this. He killed Casey McDaniel because her mom sold her to pay a meth debt. In 2004, the TBI released this statement concerning an indictment of Mr. X. This might explain all the drug debt and prostitution rumors. Quote, Huntington, Tennessee, February 2nd. The Tennessee Bureau of Investigation issued the following news release. The Tennessee Bureau of Investigation's case into a Carroll County, Tennessee man is continuing and has resulted in more charges against the suspect involved in an abusive sex operation. Was indicted again today by the Carroll County Grand Jury on two more counts of aggravated rape. These charges stem from additional victims who came forward after TBI arrested in January 2009. He was originally charged with 10 counts of aggravated statutory rape, 5 counts of rape, 4 counts of aggravated rape, 2 counts of possession of a controlled substance with intent to deliver, and 1 count of trafficking for sexual servitude, and 1 count of evading arrest, unquote. But the amount of money that has been floated around that Cindy supposedly owed is $300,000. The question that has always popped up in my mind is, if Cindy was just a user, how did she rack up that amount of debt? When I first started looking into this case, I had heard that a warrant had been served to search Mr. X's property. I was told that he was standing on the front porch wearing a long black trench coat, waiting on authorities to arrive. I was also told that while the warrant was being executed, multiple shots rang out up by the house. Officers took cover and drew their weapons, only to find Mr. X target practicing in his yard. I was hoping that when I received the Jackson Sun articles, there would be some official account of the search warrant. It wasn't until last week that I found a 2001 article verifying this in the Mile and Mirror Exchange. Quote, Law enforcement officials from the Gibson County Sheriff's Department and Mile and Police Department searched a remote farm on Highway 104 last Thursday afternoon, hoping to find clues to the whereabouts of Casey Lynn McDaniel. Thursday's search turned up a small, unidentified bone next to four sunken concrete blocks on the bank of a small, dried-up pond. The bone was collected as evidence and will be sent to Memphis to be examined but local authorities are doubtful the bone is human, unquote. 
And with all the rumors floating around about Mr. X, I found it hard to believe that I couldn't find any documentation that he was ever a person of interest in Casey's disappearance. Then finally, last week, I found this. From a March 2003 article in the Mile and Mirror Exchange. Quote, a Lavinia man questioned by authorities several times about the disappearance of Mylantine Casey McDaniel several years ago has been convicted on other charges of attempted murder and sentenced to 11 years in prison. Milan Police Chief Ken Nolan said Monday that was well known in the Gibson County area. We had reports that Casey visited the house several times before her disappearance. was questioned, took a polygraph test, and passed it, the chief recalled. We had other information to suspect him, but were unable to prove it, unquote. This report verifies what I'd been hearing from people who knew Casey, that they had witnessed her being at his house. I've been told that Mr. X had this Jim Morrison-like quality to him, and because he always had drugs, he was very popular among teenagers. With every piece of info that I receive on Mr. X, it's usually preceded by this statement, please don't use my name, I'm worried about my safety. And with some of the stories that I've heard, I understand why. I've heard that Mr. X bit a man's finger off at a bar. I've heard that he single-handedly lifted a fallen telephone pole off of a car. I've heard that a car flipped over in a ditch on Mr. X's property and caught on fire. It is rumored that he stood there and laughed as the people inside were burning alive. It is reported that everyone in the vehicle died. But I had one person who was willing to go on record concerning Mr. X. She talked to me for 45 minutes and had so much detail that I thought there might be something to this at first. She stated that she had been working with lead investigator Jerry Hartsfield to try to get a confession. He threatened them. He threatened the two people standing there. He puts Casey in the trunk of the car. He drives to my home, picks up several people, drives back to his place. They get stoned. They get drunk. He brings her out of the trunk of the car. They spread her to the hogs. There was some big razor back hogs. On the other side of that gravel lane belonged to a black man. There was four or five of them in their big holes. That's where she wound up at. What was left, they kept the holes off. What was left, he buried it. I know for a fact. This has been told to the TBI. They've been shown where she's at. They have wrong experts out there. We have um, equipment to show that they're around the fair. And they have not removed nothing. Okay, now how, how do you know this information? Because I was set up by Jerry Hartsfield, born. He had me to do his dirty work. What do you mean by that? He knew the boy that lived across the road from us at the time on Horton Street was connected to he was one of the drug dealers, and he was there at the time. They just needed the evidence to prove it. He had me to try to get all the information out of him. I couldn't. Okay. Because I knew the boy that lived across the road. Jerry Hartsfield and all the officers knew that he dealt drugs. They needed proof, and they knew he was involved in Casey's disappearance. But they needed the evidence. They knew the boy across the road had a crush on me. Okay. So they used that. I wanted the child found. Right. Jerry Hartsfield knew that if anybody could get out of it, well, on weekends that morning, and he'd come back with several of them at his house. Well, I knew 
Do they have you record it? He does have the recordings, or he did. Why can they? Why can they Why can they make an arrest off that? Because they said it wouldn't hold up because they were drunk. This was a red flag for me. She didn't mention a recording of this until I finally asked. She was she was picked up by her friend and her friend's uncle. After she was dropped off, she was taken. They were going to pay for because they raped Casey. Casey was pregnant. She was going to turn him into the police. She had been talking to her friend about turning him into the police. Her friend's uncle was a drug dealer. So, he was going to confront, he told Casey he was going to confront because he tried to pull with his niece, which was Casey's friend. And they picked Casey up. Casey was the very first one to confront him. He choked her to death with a cord in front of him. In front of who? In front of these two people. Okay. Her friend and her friend's uncle. Okay. He threatened them. He threatened the two people standing there. He puts Casey in the trunk of the car. He drives to my home, picks up several people, drives back to his place. They get stoned. They get drunk. There was... um. About 10 or 12 people there. And he had each one of them to stick her. Sticker? Yes, one up. So they could be just as involved as him if he told them. And if he went down for her murder, so would they. There's one girl that she was there. And she keeps getting into trouble. And into trouble. And she stayed doped up all the time. Well, she made a full confession, but they couldn't take it because she was doped. If you just committed a murder where there were only two accessories, why go get ten more people that could implicate you? That doesn't make sense. You would want fewer people to know, not more. But she had names, names that I've heard before, names that she wasn't afraid to mention. I mean, there is just a lot of detail here, and her tone is convincing. But what she said next caused everything to fall apart for me. And I knew he was connected. I told him he was connected. Y'all drove all time. And what was his name? I'm sorry, one more time. You lived on Morton Street in Maryland. Okay. Yep. So, Jerry Hartsfield didn't have to do anything. Jerry Hartsfield, right. Jerry Hartsfield was charged with, and I know this for a fact, destroying evidence, obstruction of evidence, whatever you want to call it. Right. And I was told that by the TBI agent. Yeah. And I told Jerry and him what had happened. Jerry says, we've got to find out where she's at. Exactly where she's at. I did. Later on. And nobody got anything. Everything that has been told, that I've heard, and I got tired of listening to it, it's a lie. Right. I know where the kid's at. Plus, there are some other girls that are missing 
of Carroll County that is buried there also. When they bring the guy, let me tell you, my son and I, I got a call from the TBI agents. I got two of them. They wanted to meet with me out at my own park. My son took me out there. We met with them. They wanted me to take them out there and show them. Well, I was talking about where she's buried. And I went and got the key, went in, and I showed them. They were going to try to get a guy that um, was an um, expert in um, doing the X-ray machine, stuff like that, uh-huh. for the ground. And she said she would give me a call back. It wasn't 30 minutes after we left from out there. I had to go to the grocery store. She called me back. I was coming out of the grocery store. The uh, TVI agent did. We didn't know if we could meet her back out there. Because we had the key to the place. Well, we went back. We went back this one. We went back. And they come in one by one. It was five cars. Two to a car. Agents and cops. They brought in this specialist. He just come back from... Um, I call it the bone yard. I pay for college. Okay. But um, he was one of the experts. He was waiting to do it. He took his little gadget out, and they went around to make sure nothing would interfere. Well, I showed him exactly where I showed the other two agents. Lo and behold, it hit. He walked around again. He walked back to the spot he hit again. Well, one of the agents that I had been talking to, he said, show him where you showed me the other bodies are buried. I did. He didn't even get there to the darn thing went off. There's no other bones buried on that property whatsoever. I know the people own it, and there's been nothing buried out there. Do the same people own it that did back then? Yes, the same, yes sir. The same people owned it for 30 years. My husband grew up across the pasture. My husband used to help take care of that property when he was younger. The agent at the TVI, and I will tell you her name, her last name is Trout. Like the fish in the stream, Trout. Uh I promised her that I would, and she asked me, what did I want out of telling her where that was? I said nothing. All I want is to see the day that that child is brung and laid to rest. Right. I want some justice for this child because she is, this is haunting me and I don't know why. Yeah. I just because she's a child. Yeah. And I said, the only thing I want to see is her brung up out of this ground and laid to rest properly. Yeah. And to see justice. She promised me if I told nobody where she was at, I could be there the day they done it. Right. Now that's the agent, one of the agents, her name is Trout. And I think she lives in Bradford or towards Greenfield somewhere now. Well, let me, let me ask you this real, real quick. Um, mm-hmm. if, if this is on somebody else's property mm-hmm. and, and, you know, and, and, and they're okay, like you've got permission to go on there, why, why haven't they tried to dig that up, the agents? Because you know? why, haven't the, why haven't the owners tried to dig it up? The, 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 the authorities, like the... Because the, that's what I asked. Because they wanted to get everyone that was involved. Huh. If they bring, they told me if they bring her up, which is not going to be much, it's just a few bones. 
They bring her up and, and they have no proof. Disconnected. And what are they, who are they going to charge? There will be no justice. Huh. Okay. They want everybody. And this is what got her. I mean, she wants every damn body that's involved. Mm-hmm. Every damn body. And that was her exact words. Yeah. Well, what's being told, uh, there's people people are beating around the bush. Uh-huh. They're telling lies. Okay. To protect themselves. That's what they're doing because they're still controlling everything. Really? They're scared. There's a lot of big people that aren't in office anymore that when the truth gets out, they're going to be brought down. I mean, they're going to have to go to jail. Are you talking about, like, law enforcement? Yes, there is no way on God's green earth that the TBI would leave a body in the ground. This defies all logic. We've since spoken with someone close to this case who has stated that this source is not deemed credible. And I wouldn't normally air hearsay that has been determined not to be credible. But there are so many of these rumors floating around about Mr. X that people truly believe that they must be addressed. Yes, Mr. X's criminal history makes him a good candidate for this. We know that Casey was reported to hang out with him. Numerous people have stated that he has bragged about doing this. But there are a few things that bother me about the Mr. X theory. One, the amount of money reported that Cindy owed. If Mr. X is such a badass, would he have ever let her get that far out? And if she wasn't dealing drugs, how long would it have taken her to rack up over a quarter of a million dollars in debt? Two, the amount of people that were supposedly in on this. Ten to twelve people with law enforcement involved in the cover-up? Ben Franklin said three people can keep a secret if two of them are dead. Too many of the names mentioned have been in and out of prison over the years. Why hasn't at least one of them negotiated an immunity deal in exchange for breaking the Casey McDaniel case? And third and last, the timeline of the night in question is critical. Where was Mr. X on the night of? I would like to think that if he were questioned numerous times and given a polygraph, the police looked into his whereabouts that night. I've had one person tell me that they witnessed Mr. X and Cindy together at a bar the night Casey went missing. But I can't find anyone else who can verify this. All the stories that I have heard have to do with others luring her out of the house and taking her to him. If so many people were supposedly involved, you would think that a false alibi wouldn't have held up for almost 21 years. Once again, I'm not saying that he's innocent, but I am saying that so many of these theories are full of holes. But when you you don't get out of it. Right. They set Casey up. They knew she was going to the police. That's all it was. They set her up. They set her up. Hmm. And that's how the kids get killed. But I can um, show you where she is buried. So you, you can get on that property then? They don't mind? Yes, I need the key to it. My husband can get the key to it. You call a few days ahead and we can get the key to it.
Hey guys, Brandon here. I need your help. Searching for Ghosts is made on a shoestring budget. It costs money and time to be able to produce this. I don't believe in doing fundraisers like GoFundMe to support this project. I want to provide a good or service before I ask anyone to spend their hard-earned money. A while back, I put out a four-song album on iTunes and Amazon. It's called Left of Nashville. I recorded everything myself and am quite proud of it. It even caught the eye of some publishers in Los Angeles. So I'm asking that if you are enjoying Searching for Ghosts, that you would pick up a copy of the Left of Nashville EP. Again, you can find this on both iTunes and Amazon.com. The cost is under $4. I will have a link to this in the episode show notes. The way to access the show notes is to simply tap the Searching for Ghosts cover art for the episode. You will see the links for Amazon and iTunes. I appreciate your support. By purchasing the Left of Nashville EP, you are directly supporting Searching for Ghosts which will allow it to continue. Thank you so much. You've been listening to the Left of Nashville Podcast Network. Mm.